And welcome back to this week's episode of Brain Fart. We have another wonderful round of interviews with one of my dear friends who I'm really excited to have. We are recording this long distance. Thank you, technology, and thank you, COVID. So without further ado, let me introduce to you our guest for today. Our guest is named Jordan, and she is an actor based out of L.A., and we met while studying together in London, and we we became fast friends. Um, A bit about Jordan. She is an actor, as I said before, and she has been seen starring in several Shakespeare productions worldwide. Cassius and Julius Caesar, Isabella and Measure for Measure, and Lady Macbeth and Macbeth, as well as starring and acting in supporting and leading roles in several films, her most recent being the independent film The Great and Terrible Day of the Lord. Not to mention, she is excellent to eat pizza and chat on beds with. I should know, as I have firsthand experience. So hello, Jordan. Welcome. Hi, Maddie. Thanks for having me. I like that introduction. Thank you. <laughs> I wrote it out. I stalked your, um, I think it was on the Lambda page, like your resume. Cause I was like, I want to get some actual like, <laughs> names and productions that she's been in. So that's what I did the other day. Just stalked my friend and it was wonderful. Little stalking. We love yeah. a little stalking. Yeah. So I, I, brought you on I brought Jordan on for the audience today not only because she's my friend even though I did say that I wanted to start these interviews off with friends because before this interview we were having some fun technical problems trying to figure this out and it's my first time using this program so we'll see how it goes so I not only brought you on to be my guinea pig but also we have had similar experiences when it comes to the medical field and our age yeah Yeah, some fun stuff there. So I wanted to kind of give you the floor and let you talk a bit about your diagnosis that you had. I think it was right before coming to Lambda. And then I'll go further into kind of asking you questions. But for now, if you like have anything to say about that or about me or I haven't let you talk for this first three minutes. So honestly, go for it. All right. So yeah, uh, as Maddie said, we have somewhat similar things happening with our bodies. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I was diagnosed uh, with melanoma at 26 years old, which is pretty young for that. And in case anybody doesn't know about skin cancer, melanoma is the worst form that you can get. <laughs> um, Love that for you. <laughs> We love that. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's basal cell carcinoma, there's squamous cell carcinoma, and then you have melanoma, which is the big bad boy that you really don't want. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, so I was diagnosed with melanoma uh, when I was 26, which is extremely young for melanoma. Um, most people don't deal with that until they're in 40s, 50s, 60s later. And so I was a sweet, sweet young baby. Yes. And, yes. <laughs> um, and so I had basically I had a mole on my neck from when I was a kid and it would, had always been there, kind of like a birthmark. And it started changing and and my mom was getting concerned about it because it was getting bigger and changing color and whatnot. And so she was concerned and I was like, ah, it's fine. It's fine. But I was also a little bit worried about it. Um, because actually one of my best friends, her dad died of melanoma. Oh, um, yeah. And so I didn't know that. 
Yeah. So it actually, and I had told her after my diagnosis that it potentially ended up saving my life, her story with her dad, because she lost her dad when she was 13 from melanoma. Um, And if I hadn't have known her story, it was possible that I would have just kind of not known what to look for. Yeah. And brushed it off. Yeah, exactly. And especially because of my age. And so my mom was concerned about it. I was a little concerned about it. And so I started when I would go in for doctor's visits just for um, my normal physicals, I would kind of ask about it and they would briefly look at it and be like, oh, it's fine. Like it's, mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, it's kind of ag- abnormal, but you're fine. You're 20 at this point, probably 23 years old. Um, you know, there's no problem. You're fine with no referral to a dermatologist, nothing. And so that happened probably, I would say three times um, with me going into a, um, general physician and saying, Hey, this is changing. Um, not rapidly, but you know, every year it was different when I would go in and ask about it and they kept saying it was fine. And then until finally my mother was like, you need to say like, you need to send me to a dermatologist. Yeah. And so eventually I did that. They sent me to a derm reluctantly because they mm. kept saying that it was fine. I went to the dermatologist. <laughs> the dermatologist <laughs> said it was fine. Oh, oh you're, you're 25 years old. It's not a big deal. You know, keep an eye on it. But like, again, you're fine. And so I went, I had the first derm appointment. They turned me away and probably eight months later, this would have been likely May or June of 2019, which was about six months before I went to Lambda, five yeah. months. Um, and I, it had kept changing and it had kind of started like doing some weird things. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go back again. And I go back to a different derm because I, you know, didn't want to go back to a doctor who kept turning me away. Yeah to another one. And they again said, it's fine. But if I wanted to, I could pay out of pocket to have it removed. And so I was like, you know what? It's fine. Like I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I paid a bunch of money to have it removed and they, they did a removal as if it was cosmetic. So they didn't take a border around it because they didn't think anything was wrong. And, but they do, they'll test any kind of mole that they have removed on anybody, no matter what, just in case. And so I get a call about a week later telling me that I had melanoma. Oh my gosh. So, and I like, and I had kind of, it was not surprising because I knew the signs from my friend story. And yeah, so that was the diagnosis, which was great. Yeah. That ooh, that makes me feel a lot of things. And I had talked a bit in the beginning of this episode about how we have something similar or in common and not in reference to our diagnoses, diagnoses, because obviously they're very different. But I think we had similar experiences because we were both diagnosed with illnesses and things that are commonly seen in older patients, therefore doctors 
doctors, <laughs> doctors were reluctant to diagnose us with them. I mean, I remember being in the hospital for my pseudotumor for the IIH, and I remember the doctor saying, well, it could be this, but we're not really sure. Like, this could be an avenue, but it's usually seen in obese women over the age of 40. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, can we test it? And even after I had my <laughs> spinal tap, after my lumbar puncture, she was still reluctant to diagnose me, even though like all of the other s symptoms were there until I had a second, a second, like someone had a second look at it. And they brought in another ophthalmologist to see if I had swelling on my optic nerves, which I did because I had it. And I remember thinking, nobody would have ever thought, plus it's a rare diagnosis, but nobody would have ever thought of me to have this. And I, I could hear that when you were telling me that story um, when we first talked about it and how people didn't believe you because you were, what, 23 when you started the journey of trying to figure out what this mole was on your neck? And people kept kept putting you off. And honestly, like what? I mean, there are so many what ifs of what if they had caught it sooner and what if they had listened to you. But I think that is the main topic of this episode. And oh, I just phrased that weirdly. Wow, I was on such a roll too. You know, I was speaking and I was like, wow, Maddie, this is coming out really clearly. Like you're on it today. <laughs> um, and I forgot what I was, I forgot what I was talking about. Oh, huh. no, I remember the topic of the episode, ageism. <laughs> <laughs> there <laughs> got it out we're back. we're back so I I the problem is I know you and so I have to figure out how to <laughs> talk around these questions so the audience can get to know you I guess that's the point of being a good interviewer <laughs> but I want to kind of talk about how you feel it has affected your life obviously like your diagnosis and the melanoma like how that affected you but also how did it affect you when doctors didn't listen to you and did that change the way you see doctors and go to the doctors and seek diagnoses, diagnoses? Yeah, it changed it a lot. And as you know, um, I've since the melanoma, I've had a number of other health issues, which mm. that's affected. And, and even before the melanoma, the melanoma was just kind of like, kind of cemented it in because I had separated my shoulder a couple of years before the melanoma diagnosis in a stage combat incident. <laughs> and I went to the doctor for that because my collarbone was sticking out of my body Ooh. and they, it was under the skin, but <laughs> not <laughs> in the right position. And the doctor literally laughed at me when I told him that I had done something to it, injured it in a show. And he laughed and was like, what was the show? Cinderella? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that made me feel some sort of way. Yeah. And so he prescribed me with uh, an anti-inflammatory and sent me away. And so I went to my college's doctor, which I guess I should have done in the first place. And he immediately looked at me and said, oh, we're getting x-rays on that. And I had a relatively severe shoulder separation. Oh. And so the distrust of doctors began there. And then it really became a lot worse with melanoma and having so many doctors dismiss me because of my age. 
Um, and then since then, with just some other health issues that are still unexplained, I've seen probably 10 to 15 doctors and specialists in the last year. And the majority of them have dismissed me because of my age or a variety of other things. But I think often it is age because I'm a seemingly healthy person. I have, I'm of a healthy weight and, you know, I, my blood levels are typically normal and I exercise and I eat somewhat healthy is except when I'm eating pizza and (laughs) (laughs) monstrous amounts of candy. (laughs) (laughs) But that doesn't, candy doesn't equal melanoma, you know? (laughs) Exactly. And so I'm like, you know, I look on the outside, I present like a healthy person. And so that it's, become an you know it's it hasn't just been with one or two doctors that I've had an issue it's with seemingly in in my perspective from an entire system as a whole which equates to a lot of distrust when I'm trying to get medical help which I need a fair amount of right now yeah and it's it's difficult going to the doctors it makes it a scary experience not I guess anxiety inducing I guess that's what I'm looking for because there is this fear of what if something is really wrong or what if nothing's wrong and I'm overreacting but if something's wrong what if they misdiagnose it like what could happen further I mean that happened to me when I was in London as well where I went in and I was like I'm not feeling very good. I'm not feeling great. And they were kind of brushing it off, brushing it off, brushing it off until finally I had a spinal tap and they found out I had viral meningitis. And it wasn't like, it wasn't the bad quote unquote meningitis, bacterial (laughs) meningitis, which can lead to a lot of very, very severe after effects and like lead to amputations and like things, things under that umbrella good things yes exactly but it still was a pretty serious thing that they needed to get me on antibiotics for yeah and it it makes yeah it makes going to the doctors a very difficult thing because I feel like we have to understand our bodies more so we can fight for our bodies more when we shouldn't have to when we shouldn't have to yeah, exactly. It's it's like we've we are now forced to become advocates for ourselves in a situation when we shouldn't that shouldn't be our job. Yeah. And I I mean, I get it from doctors, but I also get it from peers. Like I get it from people I know. The amount of times I've had friends, family, acquaintances say, "Oh, you're young." Oh, you're young, you shouldn't be having those issues. Oh, ha ha. Like you're still in your early 20s. It's the prime of your life. All of these things. And it's frustrating having to explain to them or not explain, but know that that's not the case and know that my body is made very differently. And it's had a lot more issues than, I guess, a typical young adult would have. But it, it, yeah, I guess what I mean, have you experienced that? I know we've talked about it a bit, especially especially going to school and having to like miss classes and things like that and people not understanding or comprehending or accepting that as a viable answer. 
Yeah. It, uh, I, I hadn't really had a lot of issues with it up until the, towards the end of Lambda when due to the pandemic, um, my fiance and I, who is also, uh, went to Lambda and Maddie knows, um, (laughs) um, we decided because I needed to be close to doctors because I had a lot of stuff going on with my body and I didn't know it was wrong. And I, we were back in the U S because of pandemic and, and the rest of our class had gone back to London and we made the decision to not go back and to continue, um, learning online, which was not something that I wanted to do. Acting over Zoom is the devil's work. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I second that. It's awful. <laughs> and so we made that decision and it was rough. And, you know, sometimes I don't know if that was the right decision or not, but it the amount of judgment <laughs> that we received because of that decision was kind of disheartening. Because, you know, while I I wasn't, you know, I'm obviously very close with you um, and was friends with some other people in our class. I wasn't, like, extremely close with anybody, but, you know, I would consider them friends and and colleagues and people who I trusted because, you know, we had been in acting classes together, which is very vulnerable work. And for the most part, they created very safe spaces. And so it sucked to have them judge me for something that they didn't understand. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, especially in a time when really nobody should be questioning anybody's actions. Like we're in a, in a global pandemic and we were studying abroad in a completely different country in the middle of a pandemic and I don't, I don't know. It just frust- it frustrates me a bit knowing that people weren't there for you regardless, but especially during such a heightened situation. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if it's just because I've gone through it a lot, but I think people, like people go through different things and they're going through different things. And I, and I know that every Buddy's body is different and people react differently to different things going on in the world. And I, I just wish, especially from like a group of actors, people would have been a little bit more lenient and not just like put a ton of blame on our classmates. Cause everyone, like I said, was going through something really intense exactly. at the time yeah. and nobody quite knew how to figure out, figure it out and like figure Mm -hmm. out how we were going to finish our year and everyone was getting a lot of really bad news and really upsetting things were happening and so I can understand that frustration but there's there's no excuse to like take it out on you guys especially (laughs) since you were going through something really bad and really horrible and I think sorry I'm rambling now but I'm the more I'm thinking about it I realize how quickly people were willing to accept my pain and accept that I was going through something. And I wonder if that's because I am constantly actively speaking about it and talking about my experience. But not everybody's like that. Not everybody should have to shout their medical issues from the rooftops to get the same sort of respect in a way. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think it was and I, I you know, I think we both of us struggle with that and and I know because you're so vocal about it, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um and I think, yeah, it's just people I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> people it's easier to be on someone's side, I guess, you know, because you are so vocal about what's what's going on with you, which is wonderful. And I'm jealous of that. Um, it's I think it's just easier for people to 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 be on someone's side when when they know exactly what's going on or, or if your illness isn't invisible. Um, which I mean, I think both of ours are in a certain way, you know, I have a long scar on my neck, which is all that, you know, shows for the melanoma now, thankfully, because I didn't, I was lucky, lucky enough to not have to go through chemo and, and all that. I just had two relatively minor surgeries to deal with it. And, um, yeah. And when I, when I didn't tell people what was going on, you know, specifically, cause I didn't feel like that was something that they needed to know. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I just felt like it was a little bit more difficult for them to be on my side. Yeah. And I honestly think at the end of the day, it's people not taking your word for it. Like you don't have to explain everything going on with your body and like have receipts as to why yeah <laughs> you can't do things yeah to like, I didn't... your peers yeah but and and I think it goes that way with both of our like our peers and doctors it's the doctors not taking your word for it not saying oh she sees her she sees her neck every single day <laughs> she must notice change, you know? Yeah. And it was like, yeah, like with the melanoma, it was, it wasn't even like my, I mean, my age made it an abnormal case, but other than that, it was textbook melanoma. Yeah. Like it looked exactly what a melanoma spot of cancer looks like. And so it was it was just purely my age that was stopping them cuz if that same spot had been on a 45-year-old they would have immediately uh, Yeah, I can imagine yeah. it would have been pretty immediate. Yeah. I mean the same with me if I was over 40 and quote unquote overweight cuz what what is that as a It's <laughs> bullshit. Like what it yeah, what is that as a <laughs> like a symptom or a, a yeah, categorizer whatever, but yeah, and that's I think it's really hard not getting that not validation but not even getting the care and not getting the I want to say respect, but I don't know if respect's the right word, but from someone in that kind of like authority figure or specialized figure position. Yeah. And I don't know. I I find it, I find it very difficult (laughs) to, yeah. And I, I feel I feel the pressures of it even now when I go to doctors or I have to find new doctors and figure out who to see. It, there is this pressure of, are they going to believe me? Are they going to believe me? Are they going to think I'm overreacting? And I'm sure ageism is one thing. Also, um, being a female, 
going into a doctor is also not the greatest. Yeah. Because that that can be very disappointing. Flashback to the are you in what in Cinderella? In Cinderella, yeah. Yeah. And I think that adds a whole layer, a whole extra level of anxiety to having to take care of yourself and putting the pressure of having to not only go to the doctors, but to try and defend yourself and constantly trying to say, hey, I know I look fine. And honestly, on some days I look great because I feel decent. But for the most part, like what is happening inside is not good news. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly. And it's like I when you finally get a doctor who actually listens to you, it feels like they're going above and beyond. Yes. When literally they're just doing what their job should be. Yeah. I have had doctors like that where I'm like, wow, they really are advocating for me. They're really going above and beyond because they like ordered a test and said, yeah, <laughs> yeah like that's <laughs> it is what it is. Your test results came back and showed that it was your diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so wacky. So wacky being young and having having these kinds of things to deal with. Yeah. And then also when you add, because we're both so young and we have these diagnoses that most people our age don't have, you get like the weird, awkward pity from your peers. Oh, gosh, yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, you you know that more than I do. You are, I'm sure, very well acquainted with that beast. <laughs> I, I know her well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like so awkward. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because you want, you want them to recognize it. But you also don't want them to be like, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> I don't even know. Like, sometimes it's, you know, I talked about this on a different episode, I think, but it's like kind of that disability porn where yes. people love to be like, wow, so inspirational. Like, look at you yeah. go. And, and sometimes it's nice. Like, sometimes it's nice to have people be like, wow, you like lost all of your memory and then you came out and you still did the show. Like, that was badass. And sometimes it's like, yeah, that was badass. But then sometimes it's like, wow, Maddie, you came to class for 12 hours. You are the superhero <laughs> of this world. And I'm like, I just showed up to class. Like, everyone feels shitty sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and plus it's like our lives like we're living it we have to adapt in a certain way to yeah. live it and that's just what it is and that's what happens yeah. and there's a difference between like you know saying like like damn that's badass that you did that and being like you are a warrior woman like <laughs> yeah. it's just like there's like a different quality to it yes yeah <laughs> and it's it's like a level of I think of like mutual respect, I think, of people yeah. just being like, hey, whoa, cool. And then also, and then there's the condescending tone of, oh, sweet, sweet one. Yeah, sweet, like, small, oh, fragile one. <laughs> you memorized all those lines. High five, sweetie. Oh, my, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. 
<laughs> That's my favorite compliment from people who don't do theater is, oh, I did know. You, did you memorize all of those lines? It's like when you go see a show with people who don't see theater and then like their biggest takeaway is how did they memorize all those lines? They must be so talented. <laughs> and and we're like, that is the bare minimum. That is that literally the beginning of rehearsal. <laughs> that is the the bare minimum of what you should be doing as an yeah. actor, I feel. And like sometimes, no, no, that's the bare minimum. Like, <laughs> like the bare minimum. Yeah, that's so funny. That's a funny thing to equate And people to. like, wow, give them an Oscar. They memorized a monologue. Oh. And they said it. <laughs> why, why do I think I know who you're talking about? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, that's... That's just a funny little actor thing that we get to deal with on it. But it, it like kind of that matches with how people like treat you when you have disabilities or things like yeah. that. Sometimes it's like I'm just doing the bare minimum in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I have like one more question. I feel like we've just kind of been flying through these questions, which I don't mind because if we're getting the point across, the point is going across it's that, across it's crossing it's across it's across <laughs> sometimes I say things and I'm like wow Maddie I am literally I am so verbally incompetent <laughs> with trying to get any kind of point across ever yeah I feel that all of the time I feel like anyone who listens to this podcast though has to accept that from me <laughs> because that's how I do the podcast one time one of my friends was like it's just honest and raw and it's just you and I was like yeah yeah me forgetting what I was talking about 10 seconds prior is just <laughs> honest and raw <laughs> raw I was like let's emphasize the raw portion of that. <laughs> <laughs> um but I got I do have one more question and I wanted to ask, what's an unexpected thing that has come out of your experience that people don't usually think about? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I think. I don't know if this is something that people think about. I think. I mean, there's a couple of things. None of them, are, I think, are huge or life changing. One of them yeah. is. I mean, one is because as an actor, the, like, looks are unfortunately so important. And I now have a massive scar, scar. on my neck. Yeah. Which is fun. Um, and I don't – the the weird thing about that is, like, I don't know if it's affected my career in terms of mm -hmm. booking things or whatnot. Because, you know, maybe I didn't book something because they're like, oh, she has a scar on her neck. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a weird – thing and that's and then, also oh sorry Do you want oh no to go for it go for it oh I was just gonna say that's that's a thing that's like hard to explain to doctors because they're like no like we got the cancer out you should be happy for that and it's like I am happy about that but there are other factors and it's like hard to explain that to normal people without feeling like you sound really vain yeah but when you're in this business, like, you know that that vanity holds true. And, like, I would love if it didn't. But honestly, sometimes people look look at, like, videos or look at pictures. And that's the first 
and only impression they will have of you and spend with you. And like, who is to say that they didn't see it and be like, ooh, that's weird. Something's off. I don't like that. And then swipe it away. And no one will would ever tell you. That's the other exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like we get feedback on every audition or thing we send in. Yeah. It's yeah, just not I realistic. Have, yeah. So I'm likely never going to know, like, if I didn't book something because of that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I at the time when it was happening, I wasn't, like, in the right mindset to, like, you know, request a plastic surgeon to do it. Yeah. Well, of um, course, because you just found out you had a melanoma in your neck like six months before you were about to move to London. Exactly. And what makes it even worse <laughs> and makes me even more mad at doctors, sorry, doctors who are listening, um, is because they didn't think that it was a melanoma, They, if they had thought that maybe there was something cancerous or off about it, they would have taken... A, a larger border around it. Mm-hmm. But because they didn't, I had to have two surgeries. And so the scar is about three inches longer than it had to than if they had just listened to me in the first place. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. So that's, I honestly, like I knew I've seen you. I, <laughs> I've seen you. <laughs> I know you have the scar. But that is, yeah, the, honestly, that's not something I really think about all the time yeah but when but when like someone is like a professional at looking and studying and critiquing your face that's a different story yeah than me who I see your face and I'm like wow beautiful incredible wonderful work So what I cut you off a bit about what your other little unexpected thing that has come out. I hope you didn't forget it. Oh, um, yes, I think I think this is what I was going to say. Um, I don't know if this is unexpected or not, but I think just being. I mean, I'm I'm I wouldn't say that I'm a paranoid person, but I am a worrying person. Mm. And so. Now that my worries I tend to be correct about them, which is what makes it worse. And so that now that like my fears were confirmed about having melanoma and I was correct, um, it just makes anything happening in my body so much more stressful because it's like, oh, well, I was right about having cancer once, you know, am I right? Like something's off in my body. Do I like, am I right about it again? So it makes makes life a little stressful yeah I yeah can 100% relate to that obviously it's not the same experience because we're different people with different things but I think that concept really resonates with me and I guess also this fear of feeling like a hypochondriac or feeling like I'm just creating or manifesting these things in my body just because like I'm worried about my body yeah but then having to remind myself that what I'm feeling is valid and that I know myself and I if I have any sort of fear like I should be able to like question it and figure it out especially since like my track our track records aren't super clean (laughs) clear like they (laughs) there are some things in the past that are uh some red flags So I think, yeah, it's absolutely valid. But 
it's hard. It's hard to have like something hurt and for you to immediately think is like with me, is there an influx of fluid in my brain or Mm -hmm. am I like, oh, I lost eyesight for five seconds. Is this when I lose eyesight forever type thing, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure, yeah, if something's happening in your body, you're like, is this, is this cancer coming back? Is it spreading? What is happening? Yeah. 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 So it's a weird experience. Absolutely. It is. And I mean, I, as much as I hate that, like, you had to go through it and continuously have to go through health stuff, I'm, I feel like I'm glad that we are able to, I guess, speak up for ourselves more at doctor's offices. Yeah, I agree. And I think at least for me, it's started to transfer even outside of that because I'm quite a non-confrontational person and not that I've ever, you know, confronted a doctor in ter- like, you know, in terms of being rude or whatever, you know, I'm always, <laughs> I'm the the overly polite person. Oh, but, yes, I, I relate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but yeah, so I, I think that's, you know, having to stand up for myself and advocate for myself in those settings has probably helped me out just in life to stand up for myself because I'm not someone who does. I'm the person who like is like, yeah, that's fine. And then I like replay and like change the conversation in my head later yeah, about like what good. I should have said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, damn, that was so good. I'm a master debater. Yes, but you're like, wow, it was just with I myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find that I am able to stand up for other people more so than myself. And so I think when I do this podcast and when I talk to other people about it or I post about it on Instagram, whatever, I feel like every time I do that, I'm helping myself mm-hmm. because by like standing up for other people, I'm reminding myself that I can stand up for myself. And like you said it perfectly, you're not like screaming at doctors and confronting them and saying, hey, like you're stupid because they're still doing a job and they're still trying to like figure it out. Some yeah. Sometimes not to the best of their abilities, but <laughs> who knows like what's going on there. Maybe they yeah. have a limit of tests they can give out. Like the system's kind of whack, so you never you never know. Um but there is there is a there is this idea that you can be a little sturdy and you can be a little bit more um I don't want to say forceful because that feels like it has a negative connotation to it, but I guess, yeah, standing your ground, being sturdy, saying, hey, this is what's going on. And I know that I look like a young, healthy 23, 24, 25, 26, 27 year old, whatever. But something's not right and something doesn't feel right. And I would really like for you to acknowledge it and to trust me and to know that. I don't know, to know that I'm a human and that. I can figure things out and that I have a life and emotions and feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I think that doctors sometimes forget that we live in our bodies every day. Yeah. And we know when something's not quite right. Yeah. 
That is a great way of putting that. That's the that's the uh, sound bite that I take. <laughs> that's the quote I put over your face on the post. Oh, yes. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, but I think, yeah, I'm glad I could have you on and have someone else kind of talk about the ageism um, concept because I've touched on it a little bit but it's one thing coming from me in one experience but another from hearing like someone else's experience who wasn't it wasn't the exact same experience obviously we're different people obviously um (laughs) I just had this thought can you imagine (laughs) if it was just me making two different voices (laughs) (laughs) I think you should do that pretending to be two different people instead of just finding someone to interview (laughs) It'd be a nice acting exercise. Just like create a different character every week and just yeah. make a different voice. Maybe I'll throw in a fake interview. No, I won't. <laughs> but <laughs> just see if anybody can... notices. See if anyone notices. Do you like no, a British accent? Oh my gosh. I had I had a callback for this voiceover thing and they're like, How's your British accent? And I'm like, Well, technically I'm certified standard. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I'm any good. Oh my gosh. Oh uh, yeah, I I still get nervous to do it. You're really good oh, yeah. at it though. Who? You are you. No. Yes. I feel like it's gotten it might have been decent at Lambda. I feel like it's gotten like not good since I've been here. I feel like I have to really warm up into things like that. Yeah. Those was that was one of those instances where I went into that class and I was like, yeah, I'm pretty good at like a British accent or like RP. And then I went in and everyone else started talking in an RP accent. And then I tried to and I was like, oh, I guess I am one of the worst. <laughs> one of I the guess, worst people in this class. <laughs> I guess I should never speak again. <laughs> Me every time I do anything. Uh, so funny. Well, I think... I think that's all I wanted to talk about with this subject. Do you have anything else you want to bring up? Anything good come out of this? <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. What good has the, come out of this? The deepening of our bond. The deepening of our bond. I would honestly say that, yeah, probably. I think that that like literally is something good that's come out of it. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think we would have been friends anyway, but it that, you know, it's something that we connect on a level that is different from, you know, other experiences and other people, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. And I mean, I've texted you and you've texted me like every once in a while being like, hey, like how I know you've been through something like this. What were you feeling when you were going through something like this? Like, do you have any recommendations on how to approach something like this? And I think that's like nice having having that just having that sort of support system yeah exactly yeah because i i've definitely texted you before being like what does an ovarian cyst feel like <laughs> and then i've texted you back being like what does an ovarian cyst feel like? <laughs> <laughs> oh oh our cysts ah the cysty sisters Sisty Sisters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a tragic name, but I actually kind of like it. <laughs> yeah. Have you? Do you think that 
it has strengthened your bond with your fiance because I think that you met kind of right similar to me like right in the right in the fire yeah <laughs> like, yeah right yeah so I yeah I mean Alex and I met like at the beginning of Lambda which was and so I had my second melanoma surgery through less than three weeks before I moved to London and Jeez. so yeah we met on October 2nd and then we started dating a month later um and so he kind of <laughs> got thrown into the thick of it and then started with the melanoma which you know he didn't have to deal with in terms of like day-to-day basis but he you know he knew the story and what was happening and whatnot and and then <laughs> like a month and a half after that my health just like went down the shitter mm. and he really had to deal with that and he's been dealing with it for the last I guess since well I mean yeah we've been together for not quite a year and a half but he he's been dealing with my health issues for a year now yeah um and yeah I think it's solidly helped our relationship and then you know you throw in the the pandemic on top of that and and I have not gone a single day in the last like 13 months without seeing him um, and it's, you know, there's ups and downs, obviously, and, and sometimes the health issues seem like they're, they're, you know, causing problems and it makes things more difficult. But I think ultimately it's, it's really helped us grow closer as, as individuals. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel the same way about Martin. <clears throat> Excuse me. Wow. My, my voice cracked right at Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's very well said. Plus, Alex, he's pretty cool. He's okay. We like Alex, he's he's decent enough to marry, you know. Yeah, I you know he's fine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everyone will meet Alex on the podcast because I'm also interviewing him about some some other fun shenanigans revolving some injuries. Fun, fun, fun shenanigans. Yeah, you know, just bringing all my friends on here to chat. Which is nice. I miss you. I haven't, I haven't seen you, oh, since October. October, and I won't see you until October. Probably next October. Probably next October. Yeah. For your your fun little day. Yeah. Yeah. That's you need to you need wait for for that you need to come like a week early so we can hang out. Oh, that'd be so fun and do shenanigans. Yeah. and stuff and like be... I don't know if we're gonna have an actual like bachelorette party but something along those lines yeah we'll make every day the bachelorette party <laughs> hell yes <laughs> yeah. well thank you thank you for doing this and thank you for putting up with me while I tried to figure out how to do this for like of the course. first 20 minutes <laughs> um and thank you for being an incredible friend and for always doing cool things Ditto. <laughs> um, I think I think that's all we have for today. Like I said, thank you for coming on to the show. Jordan, Jordan Ashley Greer. Can I say your full name? I can cut that out if you're uncomfortable. Say it. Okay. Jordan Ashley Greer. Actor. Lover. <laughs> <laughs> Melanoma survivor. 
That's me. Thanks for having me on, Maddie. Of course. Um, do you want to do the closing fart noise? How, wait, how do you do, what do you do? You just have to make a fart noise. <laughs> oh, that was really good. <laughs> 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 All right. Bye, everyone.